In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, Arizona, talks with pastors and leaders as they share their testimonials about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Good afternoon. Welcome to Faith Talk Radio, 1360 AM. I'm Bob Moffat. I'm here with Mark Lucas, who's the local ministry director of the station. And uh, and we're interviewing uh, remotely Caleb Pramanandam, who's in Hyderabad, India, and uh, Caleb has been a friend of mine since the 1990s, and I so respect how God has been using him to, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in so many ways in, in a country of great need, and in a country where Christianity is often persecuted. So, Caleb, welcome to the, to the program. We're glad to have you with us, brother. Namaste, Brother Bob. Good morning to you. <laughs> yeah, namaste. Hyderabad, India. Namaste means? Uh, greetings. Okay, all right. Well, greetings back to you. And uh, please give your greetings to, uh, to your family. Caleb, Thank you. you. God has used you to, to raise up pastors and to train them to demonstrate God's love outside the walls of the church. And he's also used you to develop a school, and uh, a school all the way from um, the primary grades through secondary level. And when this coronavirus hit, I I know that you um, you stored food in the school for the staff who were going to be staying there, and uh, and somehow that food got used in another way. Tell us about that. Yes, Brother Bob. In, um, when the lockdown was announced, uh, 40 of my staff got holed up in the campus. All the transport was shut, and there was no way they could go. And uh, I told them, you can stay as long as the lockdown um, is in place. I will ensure that you are fed, you are taken care, you will also be entertained specially. <laughs> and the Lord gave me wisdom also to um, uh, make some supplies. Uh, it was more like a military operation. I had to beat the police check post to get some supplies shipped into the campus to sustain them for at least two months. But then... When uh, you like I a, saw the, you sound like a good general, Caleb. <laughs> God's army general. Amen. Bob. Amen. Okay, so, go ahead. When I saw the need all around, when I was doing the Skype meeting, because I could not move out of my house, and they were holed up in the campus. When I was communicating them with the video calls, I told them, "Don't you see any need around the surrounding the villages?" Um, so that we could cook some food and um, provide the poor villagers. 
Then I also asked them, don't you see any migrant laborers that are being talked about and they have become such a news across the country because they got holed up without, and they, um, they are without work and they are not paid and they have no food. At which time we have identified 200 migrant workers working in a brick lane, not too far from our school. Just, just so Caleb, just so that our listeners know, um, you're talking about a brick kiln, kiln a place where brick they lane, make- brick lane, where the bricks are manufactured yes, from right, thank you. the clay. So we had 200 of them. We have identified immediately. I told my, like we have our storage, we can use that to bless them, and God will take care of us. So. So and you, they all agreed. So you're you're saying to them, okay, we've stored food for you, but instead of yep. using it for you, we need to use it for we would migrant like, lo- We workers. would like to share it for them. Okay. So we took police permission from the local police, and they were thrilled too that we could actually feed um, hot meals to these people. They could not understand. Um, so we started off, and then we began to feed 200 migrant workers because of the love that compelled us um, and, um, and and then God's burden that laid on our hearts to share what we had to them. Caleb, so that's how I, I, I got started. With the I have a question yes, for bro. you. Are, are your staff all Christians? They are all Christians, but then our support staff, the, the, the uh, attendants, they are they are all not Christians at all. So they could not understand why I am doing. So when I started doing this, and all of them began to look up and said, this is not possible. And they all began to come rally around me, and they began to encourage me, and they began to contribute vegetables, rice, and small tokens of uh, money they pledged, and that's how they supported these were the, uh, when I have initiated. These were the non-Christians in your staff. They saw uh, what you were doing, and, yes. they, and, they, and, and they supported it when they ri- yes. originally had questions about, what is he doing with our food? And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. And then I have seen the uh, people walking hundreds of kilometers back to their homes because they were they had no food and they wanted to go back to their homes and die with their families hundreds of kilometers away and they were all over on the road so nobody were bothering about them and god again compelled us to share this what he, uh, food we had to distribute to them through our local churches located on the highways. How many churches do you have that are located on the main highway? The the main highway, we have uh, three churches. Okay, so what, how did you recruit them or how did they get involved with helping? I just told them, I just told them, okay, um, they, uh, this church is, uh, Brother Bob, they have, I mean, they have a heart for their communities. Uh, They began to, um, meet the felt need their their com- communities so when i asked them what's happening around you they said we have identified 
the migrant workers trekking along the highway. Um, so what can you do? So when I challenged them, I mean, they were all scared. Like uh, they were all um, inside their homes, uh, scared to come out because the church is located in a confinement zone uh, with a lot of uh, positive cases. But then when I shared with them what I'm doing, the church went out. They started feeding 50 people and then that they had to stretch it to Hundred and um, two hundred and eighty on the first day. No, wait a minute. And the local village, wait, wait, village. Wait. <laughs> Caleb, you said that they were planning to feed fifty people. Fifty. Yes. And how many they did they feed? Two hundred and eighty. How can food for fifty people stretch to two hundred and eighty? Miracle of multiplication and uh, surrendering what you have, Brother Bob. And this is amazing story as to how the head of the local government, the mayor of that village, came around and uh, he not only began to appreciate, but he began to seek the church help to go out and minister to those people who are trekking on the road. Okay, is this mayor um, a Christian? He is a Hindu. And I understand in India there's a lot of persecution against yes, Christians. Yes. And um, but in this case, you had a Hindu who was part of the group that often persecutes Christians, siding with you and coming around to support yes. what you're doing. Well, actually, Bob, um, when I spoke to the police officer in charge of that province, when I was seeking his permission to. Um, bring in supplies to supplement what this church was doing to increase our capacity to feed more people, he said, I will not give you permission because this is uh, a very sensitive area. And then uh, also the Hindu radicals are very strong in this village and they will cause trouble to you. But then it so happened now, these Hindu radicals have actually come around, began to watch us, and they came and spoke to our pastor and our team members. And they not only appreciated, they said, we would also like to do what you are doing. Wow. Yeah. So, wh so what did that mean, they would like to do? Did they come and... They also said, they, they said uh, we would also uh, feed people. Did they do that they, with their own resources? They did, they, they, they did a couple of days, and they also came and confessed, saying that we are not able to do like you do. and uh, You are feeding them with fine rice, but then we are not able to give them same quality of rice. So they backed off. And the pastor told me, David Paul told me, now these people, they would look when they meet, come across face to face, they just tear at each other, they do not even wish. But then they got him involved in a conversation which lasted for 45 minutes and they were all admiration for Pastor David Paul and the church, um, a, a team of volunteers that worked day and night ministering to the needs of these migrant workers trekking the road. I got a, an email from you the other day that 
you when you said you were completely exhausted. Um, <laughs> yes, very much. So, uh, what what is your role been in this? You know, what what was it that exhausted you? <laughs> well, um, I actually travel. Um, I the government gave me pass the uh, so that I can go past this check post. But then I go not only to supervise, but then also to mobilize resources and see that um, uh, because we have about five places that we are doing this um, uh, feeding besides providing essential package kits to people who uh, do not have anything. Okay. I want our listeners to know that we're interviewing Caleb Pranandam, who is in Hyderabad, India, and he's been very much involved in mobilizing followers of Jesus to sacrificially use the resources that they have to bless others. And so, Caleb, um, you had a story uh, the other day that you told me about uh, about a, a vehicle that you needed, but uh, you, you didn't have yes. how did God provide tell us that story yeah. we had a very old vehicle we had it for 10 years and then um, when it we, we sold that vehicle and then um, the guy who owned it was transporting something um, and then uh, he was not supposed to during the lockdown and the police seized the vehicle at that time, our people were actually feeding the migrants, which were actually quarantined through the police, 50 of them. When uh, the, the station house officer saw the connection between the vehicle and us and the driver, he actually intervened and uh, he said, hey, now... I mean, actually, I was um, needing, as I told you, about five uh, places we are doing the, uh, these feeding stations. I needed an extra vehicle. I did not know where I would um, get a vehicle. So God has provided miraculously, and the station house officer, noticing, he told the driver, if you need this vehicle will be seized, but then on one condition I can release the vehicle, that if you can make this available to these people who are feeding the poor and the needy. And uh, that guy did not have any hesitation <laughs> to catch the deal because that's the best way out for him. So, but in the process, I've got a free vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a vehicle that was stopped because it wasn't supposed to be traveling? And, yes. <laughs> and the policeman said, I will release the vehicle back to you on one condition. You have to help Caleb in, yep. in feeding all these folks. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Amen. Yeah. Caleb, how is your family responding to the fact um, that you're spending all this time? Oh, they were very scary initially, Bob. Like, why, why, uh, when why, I went. why were they afraid? Because nobody would go out of the home. And we were not supposed to go out of the home because of um, what the coronavirus is. Um, and uh, they thought I would also get um, 
um, contracted with coronavirus. So even when I went first day and came back, they made sure that I, I did not enter the house directly. I had to leave my footwear way out. I had to leave my clothing outside. I was like an untouchable uh, <laughs> leper, literally in my own home. Right. So they were so scared. But then as I stay yielded, as we began to pray for the people who are um, uh, suffering, um, hungry, uh, God really melted the hearts of my family. They began to rally around. They began to support me. And they began to even contribute uh, their might, uh, Bob, in this effort. So they are fully at peace uh, because um, uh, God is in control and God wants to use us. Amen. Amen. I, I know that your daughter even wrote you a little note. Yes. What, yes. Did, she, what, did, she, what did she say? She said, Papa, you are carrying all kinds of people in your vehicle. You do not know who they are. And uh, you actually, normally that's, um, that only can seat two people. But then I literally carried eight people. Can you believe that, Bob? Yes, I can, because I've, I've been in India before. <laughs> okay. So, so my daughter had her own fears. But then um, as I was living out and she came to understand and she said, Papa, um, and she understood. She said God brought her to her attention, Ephesians uh, uh, 5.14. And um, which, says, which is nothing. It says say? the sum substance of Jesus commanded is love your neighbor Amen. as yourself. And she understood that. And she encouraged me through that. And she said, Papa. I'm proud of you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, she's a beautiful girl. Yes. Kill, as you as you think about um, what has been happening in India, what would your encouragement be to um, followers of Jesus here in the United States, here in Phoenix, Arizona, where we're broadcasting from? What would you what what would be your encouragement to them? Uh, um, I was just sharing with some a group of um, pastors uh, this evening, and I believe this is applicable not only to the believers, the pastors, the leaders, not only in India but also in the United States, everywhere. This is the opportunity for us to um, seize and demonstrate God's love to the people who are in need. And uh, always church is uh, always looked up to be a place confined to the spiritual and religious activities. But then now is the time, church, to go out and uh, meet the needs in the communities. And this is a good opportunity. Yes, it is a good opportunity. And I think that uh, I would like to know from you, Kayla, what, how, how have you been in, encouraging, have, how have you been discipling the pastors that you're working with to disciple their people? Uh, Bob, I am thankful to Harvest 
and the investment the harvest had made in my life and mentoring me and um, and then back in 1995 when I got exposed to this teaching um, biblical holism I was sold out for that and the men that came around me the team that I'm leading I so invested that into them so the DNA of the harvest churches that I have planted is um, just that same that these churches not only live out um, um, and establish churches that grow not only spiritually but also have a heart for the communities surrounding them the very churches that had um, opposed us persecuted us, even killed one of our pastors. Now, many of these churches look up to us and they ask us to help the community. Now, wait a minute. You, you said that there were some churches that were persecuting your, you and your churches? Yes, yes. Uh, Why were they doing they, that? Because they, they think that Christianity is an American religion, and then it also is a religion belong, which belongs to the low caste. That's a wrong perception that they have. These were churches that were persecuting your churches? No, 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 no the Hindus that oh. were persecuting. Oh, okay. the, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the Hindus that were persecuting our churches, and, our Christians. And one of the pastors that... He even became a martyr. He became yeah. a martyr. Yeah, I remember that. That was qu quite a few years ago. And yes, a tragic, yeah. tragic story. But yes, but now are you, you're you having the, um, even the police and a Hindu yes. mayor that are supporting you and yes, affirming brother. what you're doing. Praise God. Yes. Praise God for Amen. that. And... Um, uh, even the politicians. I was with the Minister for Finance yesterday. For, and, for uh, what? For the state or for the country? For the, for the state. State of, of Andhra and, Pradesh. Uh, yeah, yeah. He came around. He he made sure that he came up to me and he congratulated me and he said, "I deeply appreciate what you're doing." I'm blown away by that. Actually, <laughs> to be very honest, he's right. a great man. Well, praise the Lord. It's so good to hear these stories. Yes. Have yes. you, what about your family? Now, you're, you're a representative of your family that's reaching out, but uh -huh. do you have any examples of what you and your family are doing? Because sometimes I know people say, okay, leaders do a great job of challenging other people to do it, but what are they doing themselves? How, could, how, how would you respond to that, Caleb? What are you? Um, I know what you're doing. You've been telling us for a half an hour. Yeah. But what? What about your family? Well, they they pray with me, and um, instead of discouraging me, instead of uh, stopping me, they actually uh, see what I'm doing, recognize that it needs an investment, it needs sacrifice, so they are willing to let me go. And, um, Amen. and um, yeah. So I think that when I, when I think of my own family, that's the major contribution that my wife yes. 
makes yes. to me is she lets me go. <laughs> yes, and, yes, Bob. <laughs> and, uh, and that's not easy for her because she's It very, is not at all easy. Yeah. yeah, not at all easy. Right. Well, I think, you know, that if there are any church leaders that are listening in, my challenge to them is let's not just encourage our people to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but let's encourage them to take the leadership so that when their parishioners or their the members of their Bible study groups, they come and say, okay, Bob, okay, Caleb, okay, Mark, what are you doing? That we have a, an answer that doesn't come from two weeks ago or two years ago, but something that we can point to and say, I'm glad you asked that question because I need to be challenged. Let me share with you what I've done. Thank you, folks, for listening. We're so glad that you have been with us, and may the Lord richly bless you and empower you with his spirit to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their community. Today's testimony of God's love not only inspires us, but now we ask God how he wants us to demonstrate his love in a similar way with others in the church towards our neighbors. Also consider sharing the kingdom and its story with others through the media tab at harvestfoundation.org.